Happier Days is a podcast all about adding more happiness into your days and ultimately your life. The content in each of these episodes is a combination of my own stories or interviews with others with the purpose of providing a range of tips, ideas and contemplations on how to incorporate more happiness into your days and most importantly, to live a life worth loving. Join me for this week's episode starting right now. Hello and welcome to the Happier Days podcast. I'm your host, Narelle Crozier. Today's episode is all about dryland dog sledding. And now this is the sport I do in winter and it's a perfect time to talk about the sport at the moment because as the temperatures are getting lower, I am seeing more and more mushers all over Australia start getting back out on the tracks and running their dogs in readiness for the sledding season. Today, I'm joined by the West Australia Sled Dog Sports Association Vice President, Jamelia Bramwell, and we're going to talk about all things dryland dog sledding from your frequently asked questions to the things that we've learned about dog sledding and how it can make us happier. And we will also talk about WASA's Come and Try Day, which is today. So if you are in Perth and you are local to the Nangara Pine Plantation, even if you live a little bit further, come and have a try. It is at 3 p.m. You will not regret it. All you need is your dog on a lead and a flat collar and humans. You will need a pair of sneakers as protective footwear. Everything else will be provided for you. But today we're going to talk all about that shortly. It is a longer episode this week because, gosh, we could talk about dog sledding forever. But let's get into it. Hi, Jamelia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for coming back to chat with me about our topic of dryland dog sledding today. For us, dryland dog sledding, it takes up a lot of our winter time and we can talk about it for hours and hours. Uh, But for most people, it's something they've never heard of. Or if they've heard about it, it's either like dog sledding in Alaska or Canada so can you explain, please, what dryland dog sledding is? Oh, absolutely. So dryland dog sledding is a dog-powered sport that involves a team of dogs pulling a rig, bike, scooter, or a person on foot. Um, and we do it on tracks that are like bush tracks, sand, dirt, red pea gravel sometimes, um, but not snow, not in WA. While many people have not heard of dryland dog sledding in Australia, it's actually done all over the world. And in some countries, it's more of an off-season activity to keep the dogs exercised and conditioned. But as we will share, that dryland dog sledding is a winter sport here in Australia. There are clubs in most states and territories of Australia. There are two governing bodies. So there's ASA, which is the Australian Sled Dog Sports Association, and AFSS, which is the Australian Federation of Sled Dog Sports. And most clubs are affiliated with either of these bodies. And for the most part, I think we both follow the International Federation of Sled Dog Sports rules or regulations. And also, you know, while we do dryland dog sledding, that's what we'll be talking about today, there are still snow races here in Australia where traditional sleds are used. 
And there are also national competitions where everyone in Australia can attend. This year, nationals is in Queensland and next year, Western Australia will have a national race. Is that right? Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yes, all things being well, we do hope to have the nationals. Excellent. Okay, so we know a little bit about what dryland dog sledding is, but what kind of dogs do dryland dog sledding? So uh, a, a huge variety of dogs can do the sport. Um, we always say that any dog that has the desire to run and pull is welcome to do the sport. Generally, it is your medium to larger breed because they find it much easier physically. So your your traditional Siberian Huskies, Alaskan Malamutes, Samoids, those kind of dogs. But now, in especially in WA, we have a huge population of uh, Border Collies, Kelpies, Dobermans, Dalmatians, Pointers, and a lot of uh, rescues and mixes in there. So really, any dog that wants to do it can. And um, it is great to see. I mean, when I first started, it was traditionally the Huskies. But over definitely the last few years, probably less and less Huskies and Malamutes and more of the other breeds. And that's really great to see. No, there is uh, there is a lot of variety now. And it's really nice to see a big variety of breeds on our um, on our trophies and our the, the teams that are winning. It's a big variety, which is nice, um, but we do still have all of our support for our traditional breeds, and it's very, very nice to still see them out there. And I do love seeing a husky in harness, I have to say. There is something very special about it. So what kind of equipment does someone need for dryland dog sledding? Uh, so the most important equipment to start off with is an appropriate harness for your dog. Um, so we have special suppliers that sell traditional sledding harnesses it's very important because there's a couple of factors that we look at so the harness must sit on the not on the neck of the dog on their chest where they're actually pulling from and they must have a free range of movement in their shoulders so nothing's impeding when they're running Uh, an appropriate sledding harness and a gang line which is like a bungee line that ties the back of the dog's harness to whatever they're pulling uh, the elastic in that ensures that when you start running and on corners and everything, there's no damage to the dog's back or to you if you're running from any kind of jarring. Outside of the gang line and the harness, you have whatever equipment you're running on. So your uh, scooter or mountain bike or your canny cross belt, if that's what you're uh, using. And we always use helmets for anything on wheels. Yes, helmets are important. Having had yes. a few snacks in my time, I appreciate a good helmet. And something so important uh, is the harness. And I do see a lot of people out and about either rollerblading with their dogs or riding a bike with their dogs or skateboarding with their dogs. And they definitely yeah. don't have the right harness. The dog is on a collar. And, you know, for someone who now knows better, because I used to be someone who used to rollerblade with my huskies way back in the day yeah that harness is definitely important yeah absolutely we uh we never encourage running on a collar because it can be it can do a lot of damage to the dog's neck but also um impedes their ability to pant appropriately and to um cool down because dogs primarily release heat through their mouths and their paws so um very important that they can pant fully while they're running but yes, if anybody gets in touch with any of our local WA clubs, which we'll talk about later, 
um, there's a lot of advice you can get on appropriate harnesses and where to get them in whatever state you're in. Now, how do you train a dog for dryland dog sledding? Big question, but it all starts out with encouraging the dogs to pull. So even if your dog does pull on walks normally or anything like that, we do spend pretty much all of their lives asking them to not pull us. So it's all about teaching the pulling and teaching a couple of main cues that we teach. So we have your left and right to your directionals and then stop and go, uh, essentially the basics. We start off with teaching them to pull into harness and how we can support them in that. So if you're on a scooter or you're running or whatever, and then you work on the cues or commands as you're doing it. Would you, um, would you like me to go into a little bit more detail about that or is that... No, that's cool. So even when I'm walking my dogs, like I use all sledding commands. So for my youngest dog who will start this year, she from day dot since we've been walking, I've been using all sledding commands for, you know, turning left and right to passing objects or other dogs and whoa, because that's what I use to slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Stop is very important. It is. It is. And, you know, I always think that we start slowly and obviously go to clubs that have tryouts or you can train with other people. I think that's uh, super important. Just don't necessarily do it by yourself. Go with experienced people who can show you the right way to do things so that you and your dog are safe. Yeah, absolutely. It's very important as much as it's a very, very fun sport, and I absolutely welcome a lot of beginners to have a look and have a go. It is very easy to do damage if you do it wrong to yourself or your dog. Um, so very important that even if you're not physically very close to a club, if you reach out to them, they'll be able to give you advice on how you can safely get started and you know things like equipment and where to buy stuff and how to safely start a dog that their behavior or their fitness isn't where it needs to be yet. And just while we're talking about clubs, you know, in Western Australia, there are three clubs. Um, There is the West Australian Sled Dog Sports Association or WASA, which is way easier to say, which you are the vice president of. Thank you. I am. And um, there is Running West Sled Dog Club, which I'm the secretary of. And then there's the Dryland Dog Sledding Club. And we are based from Perth, down to Bustleton. So there's people, if you're interested, there's people across WA that can help you get started or at least you point you're in the right direction if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of support in uh, in WA and in the rest of Australia. So if you're interested in getting into it, it's very easy to make contact with people. Okay. And uh, you touched on it before, but what is the kind of terrain that dryland dog sledding runs on? So we aim for sort of bush tracks so ideally my personal preference is always soil um I like compacted soil uh, I think it's nice on the dogs um their joints and stuff as they're running we do try to avoid like tarmac or concrete it's very hard on their joints but also holds a lot of heat but we ideally do uh, so soil compacted sand we do a couple of races on like red pea gravel Type ground, um, but yeah, your typical bush track is what we're looking at. And something I've been asked, I think every time I've talked about dryland dog sledding, is how fast can dogs go? 
um, this is an interesting one, but I think the average, the average sort of top consistent speed it would be between 25 to 35 kilometers an hour for most dogs. Some of our very, very fit dogs and our bigger dogs especially can get up to uh, closer to 45 to 50 kilometers an hour at their top speed. But you get used to it and we, we build on this. And when we are, when we get started in the sport and we have beginners, we encourage them to uh, keep the brakes on lightly and take it slowly because it's better for your dogs to build skills and pulling at a slower pace. And then you build up as you both get more experience rather than just hitting it as fast as you can from the get-go. Yes, um, hitting it as fast as you can from the get-go is not always a fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how many dogs do you need? Uh, so you can get started with just one. So when I started the sport, I had just one dog. Um, and most of our classes in WA these days are what we call mono dog sports, which are just one dog. So Canny Cross is exclusively a one dog class, so your dog pulls you while you run. But there is also bike drawing and your one dog scooter class. So you can get started with one. And then in WA, we have teams going from one all the way up to six dogs. So it's something that I have to touch on because often this question is asked of me, but is is it safe for the dogs? I love this question. I'm a really, really big fan of it. It is, it is absolutely safe when you do it under guidance and you are careful as you get started. So like any, any of the dog sports, agility and uh, tricks and the rest of them, there are, there's always the possibility for injuries or anything like that. But we're very careful with at the beginning of the season and when it gets hotter towards the end, we reduce how far we run and how um, how hard the dogs are working to ensure their their safety is the biggest priority in the sport all the time. We do warm-ups and cool-downs and many of the dogs in this sport see professionals, so dog physios or dog chiropractors or specialist vet appointments to make sure they're at their physical best all the time and the chance of injury is reduced as much as possible in the past my dogs have had acupuncture and things like that just to help them Absolutely. you know they're athletes so they need to be taken care of as well and also I guess we can touch on here that for the dog safety uh, we have to run under 15 degrees <laughs> so it's a really really big part of our sport that we never train uh, when it's above over 15 degrees and we will cancel competitions if it's too hot. That's why we train exclusively pretty much uh, very early in the morning and late at night, especially in WA, it is really hard to get those temperatures. Um, and that often means our competitions are pushed to more rural locations so that we can get more consistent temperatures. But it's especially important even for be, uh, beginners or people looking to get started in the sport at home that you are very careful with temperatures while your dog is getting used to it and building up fitness yes yes and these dogs want to work so we need to be very careful that we provide the best conditions for them to do that in and yes can vouch for heats and races being cancelled due to temperatures under 15 degrees Celsius for those who might be listening elsewhere. And <laughs> yeah, it is a winter sport. So just to help with that, um, cool, those cooler temperatures. Now, 
And this is a bit of a leading question, I guess, but is dryland dog sledding an expensive sport? I believe every dog sport is as expensive as you make it outside of the basics. So like I touched on earlier, the most important things to get started are your harness and your gang line, very roughly. But the average range for a sledding harness would be somewhere between $70 to $150, I'd say. But for most people, that is a one-time purchase for their dog. Um, unless your dog chews the harness, they generally don't break and they can use them for, you know, 10 years or longer. The gang lines are not extremely expensive. So less than $50 is pretty common. Um, and your scooter or bike, if that's where you're uh, starting the sport, there's often in our communities, there's a lot of secondhand equipment for sale. Um, and the club also encourages people to come, or my, my club doesn't, we'll talk about the club later, but um, we always encourage people to come and we have equipment that they can borrow while they're trying to get into the sport. So at a base level, I would say sledding is not ridiculously expensive. However, um, once you get into the sport and you get addicted to it and you start buying camper trailers and caravans and very expensive cars to uh, make all this camping and everything more comfortable than it can add up but um, it's not at the base of it an expensive sport. Yeah, that's right I you know I did have to upgrade my car because when I started back in the day because packing everything I couldn't actually fit the dog in the car so <laughs> um, the most important thing but um, yes it, Totally agree. It is as expensive as you would like it to be. The yeah. basics are not very expensive and there's people always willing to lend you gear while you're trying harnesses or things to see what's the right fit for you and your dog. But yes, I still camp in a tent, so <laughs> but it is as expensive as you want it to be. How can someone get started in dryland dog sledding? Okay, so if you are, uh, I might focus on WA for this one, but if you're interested in getting into dry life sledding, find a club that is local to you. You can often find them with a quick Google search, but also if you are posting in local dog groups, they'll always be able to, a lot of people know about us in a lot of different states, so somebody will be able to link you back to where you can find the club. Get in touch with the club. Um, most of them in well most of them around Australia but in WA we have clubs that hold uh tryout days and beginners days where you get to come and just try the sport um and you don't have to bring any equipment all the harnesses scooters everything is provided and you get to see if your dog likes it and then you can go on to do a camp where we or not a camp a weekend course where we teach you everything about how to teach uh, how to teach cues and how to work on your dog's fitness and how you can train at home. In WA, the WASA that you mentioned earlier has a tryout day coming up actually this Sunday, which is the 16th of April at Nangara Pine, which everybody is welcome to come along to. It's a completely free event. You just turn up with your dog on a flat collar and a lead and we will let you have a go and teach you about the sport. Our beginners course is coming up in a few weeks where you can see how we train the sport and have a in-depth chat to our existing mushers and get, get addicted like the rest of us. All right. So Wassa has their beginner day this Sunday, the 16th. It's at three o'clock. 
So people are welcome to come and register from three and then we'll go into it and you get to have a go. And if you need to head off early, that's fine. Um, otherwise you can stay and have a chat and um, uh, have a few more goes with your dog. And I think that's important, having a few goes. Sometimes dogs don't take to it straight away. It might be the track that they're on. So I know last time you had three different groups going and, mm-hmm. you know, if people are able to do the three different tracks, that's a good, a better indication of just sticking with the one track. Yeah, absolutely. And like I touched on earlier, you know, we spend many, many years of our dog's life teaching them not to pull. So it's going to take a minute for most dogs to teach them that, um, yes, that is actually what I'm looking for. But we're all about the the enjoyment of the dog and the musher. And as soon as you come down, you'll be welcomed by one of our helpers or committee members. You can ask all your questions to them. We get your dog sized up and in a harness and we give a quick chat about how, how we're going to give things a go. And then we get started and you get to try different things, try different types of scooters. And we will, dependent on the dog, we will in, encourage your dog and help you out and make sure you both have a positive experience. As Jamelia said, we spend so much time teaching our dogs not to pull or walk in heel. Uh, it does take a little while that sometimes they're like, what are you saying? You want me to out in front of you? So that is perfectly normal and okay. And yeah, it might take a few goes to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's very different for most dogs than what they've done before. Um, but it's an awesome outlet for a lot of this, a lot of different types of dogs and a lot of dogs in different stages of life. Yeah, actually, while you're on that, what kind of classes do you offer? We have a big range of classes for the for the size clubs that we have in WA. Starting with uh, Canny Cross, which is the class we touched on earlier, where you wear a belt around your waist and your dog pulls you as you run. Canny Cross is one of our two classes that split into men and women. We have our touring classes, which are our official non-competitive classes. Um, so we have a set time for you to run, but these are for, so you have the touring class, which is just a non-competitive one dog or two dog option. And then you have veteran, which is for dogs over seven years old. So the touring classes are run on shorter tracks, um, but it's for dogs that still want to run, but maybe don't want to be in one of the longer distance competitive classes or want to run when usually the touring classes run when it's live. So for whatever reason, if the musher wanted to do that, um, there's that option. We then go into bike drawing, which is a person on a mountain bike with the dog pulling that's our second class that's split into men and women and then we go into we have one dog on a scooter two dog on a scooter we then move up to our rig class which is a three-wheeled setup and that allows you to run anywhere from three to six dogs on that and we have our novice class as well so our novice class is for mushers that have had less than three races experience i believe is the official rule but most people get into the sport and do novice for their first season before they then move into what we call the open classes. And you touched on, so these are basically adult classes plus your veteran class for the older dogs, not the veteran people. But we also <laughs> have juniors, which is yeah. uh, what WASA is 10 to 16, running west or AFSS rules are 10 to 14. And then you have peewees. Yes. So we do have, we offer a peewee and a mini peewee class. 
which are for young children up to 10 years old. And they can be either, with a, usually about a 100 meter run with dogs that are calmer or older. And you have, it's assisted by a parent or helper as is fit for the child. And sometimes there are mini peewees. So that's for someone even younger, but obviously very much with an adult um, in a yes, very absolutely. controlled kind of setup. <laughs> Yes. Um, now, our, our peewees is a peewees and junior classes are a big part of our sport, where we like to get our younger mushers involved. You know, a lot of them train their own dogs at home when they're not at races. Um, so we want to keep them involved at races, and we are a very, very family-friendly sport at heart. So we like to keep keep kids involved when they want to be. Yeah, hundred percent. Family, family sport not only for the dog to be included, but the children and the adults. So that's something that I've really enjoyed about it. Not that I have a family, but, uh, you know, something I can do with my dog. So as this is the Happier Days podcast, I just wanted to have a chat now about how dryland dog sledding can add or create more happiness in our days. So how has the sport added more happiness to your day, Jamelia, or your day's this sport is really something different. So um, I said in my last podcast with you that I, I do a lot of dog sports. Like, I think I train in about eight different ones or something ridiculous like that. But sledding, dryland sledding specifically, really is something like completely on its own. So there's two different sides of it that really affect me. The actual sledding with the dogs, I love it. There's something amazing about being out on the track with just you and your dog and it's quiet and it's peaceful and you're working together as a team. So as your dogs are pulling you either on a scooter or on a bike or whatever, you're assisting them. So you are both exerting yourselves and working together. And that's a really nice feeling. And it's nice to be able to do that multiple times in a week, you know, go out and train them and get that release for both of you. But as well of all I'm involved in, this sport has, the most amazing community and there's not a lot of things you can try even new hobbies and all that where experienced people are willing to sit down and it's a regular part of our year that we sit down and we talk to new members and a lot of gear is volunteered for beginners to use a lot of expensive equipment is volunteered a lot of members are willing to work with beginners and their dogs and uh, when we go camping together it's a really really nice you know sort of big family feel I have been to I can't even tell you how many competitions I've been to and forgotten some kind of essential item I've forgotten food I've forgotten most of my clothes I I, the only thing I don't think I've forgotten is my actual dog and I've never been short of people uh, lending me stuff and I've made some amazing friends in this community Yes, you've touched on so many things that I 100% agree with you on there. I think, first of all, that bond with your dogs, when you are working together, and as you said, you do need to do work. Um, It's not just a sit on or stand on and let them do it. No, you need to be working hard. And, you know, that is so rewarding when the both of you are in sync. And that really is that bond and that teamwork to get you to where you need to go so I love that and you talked about the nature aspect as well 
on the weekend, I went sledding the dogs and I got lost and (laughs) actually got lost twice. But on my second run, it really was, I was at the top of the hill looking out and it was quite early in the morning and the mist above the pine trees out below me was just amazing. And I said to the dogs, let's just take in the view for a moment and then we'll work out where we need to go. (laughs) But I just do love that. I often, I forget about racing and I do take in that view because I think that's so important as well. And one of my most incredible memories is training uh, my dog, Maya, a few years ago. And my lights, it was that night and my lights died. Um, It was a full moon. So it was a bright night. But just that I could just, it was so quiet. I could hear her breathing and her paws on on the soft sand. And I just thought this is bliss. Like there is nothing better. And okay. I was a little bit scared because I had no lights and I sensed that there were kangaroos out on track somewhere like that memory. I hope it stays with me for a very long time because I, at that moment, I just thought this is what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, that's such a lovely story. I feel all the feelings when I think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something else I really like is that sense of accomplishment. It is a physically challenging activity and Mm -hmm. I have learned that I cannot scoot on one leg. Um, I have to be able to scoot on both. And sometimes the tracks are difficult and challenging, but when you finish or complete it, I do feel like a huge sense of pride for the dogs and me that we've gotten through it. And I also love seeing the dogs progress. So from the start of the season to the end of the season, how they've improved each time. And all of that, I guess, is a mood booster for them and a mood booster for me. Mm. Also, one other thing is uh, something that I guess can make us happy is that that adrenaline rush, you know, it's an exciting sport. It's definitely exhilarating. It's not normal uh, what we do. (laughs) Um, and you know, new tracks, new locations, having that all bring that, you know, type of adrenaline rush and thrilling, it's enjoyable, not going to lie, it can be slightly terrifying, but (laughs) successfully completing a course bring that um adrenaline rush and accomplishment and you wanting to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And no no run is ever the same. You know, we run often you train locally to you, so you train on the same track. But there's always, you know, you try, if you're running multiple dogs, you try different configurations and different setouts and different warm-ups, you know, see what works best for your dog. But you touched briefly earlier on wildlife, and it is a big reality of what we do, you know, training early in the morning and late at night in bushy areas. We do see kangaroos and emus, and they, um, kangaroos especially, I've had many run-ins with kangaroos jumping across the track just in front of my team. And yeah, it's never boring. Never boring. Had that on the weekend as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the dogs are very good in listening to leave it. Yeah, it does certainly make them run faster. Yeah, like you said, it, no run is ever the same. Every every time is different. And every time I feel like I'm looking for something else within the dog or within myself. So it's always challenging. Yeah. 
and I think that's the nature of any sport is that you're always working on something. So whether you're working on, you know, just fitness and you're just wanting you and the dogs to get fitter or you're working on your, your corners or your on buys, which is our traditional sledding term for wanting your team to ignore something. So whether that's kangaroos or smells or to overtake or be overtaken by another team. And, um, you know, there's always something you're working on. So something you're focusing on while you're running. It's always such a learning and growing experience or process, really. Yes, you so, learn something new every year. Yes, yes. And I've been doing it a little while. Certainly not the as long as other people, but yes, it's learning a lot every year about myself and about the dogs. And now I've got, I guess, the next generation of dogs, which are completely different to the my original dogs. So that's yeah. you know, a whole different learning experience. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what your biggest accomplishment is for yourself or something you've been proud of, of you or your dogs. That's a, that's a really good question. I would say for my, for my dog. So I have two border collies of different ages that I've run separately in dryland sledding for quite a few years now. Last season was my first time running them in competition as a two dog team. So running them side by side on a scooter. When I first started training two dogs five, four or five years ago, they didn't match very well, which just means that, you know, they're either running at different paces or they take corners at different speeds and they just don't run synchronized very well, which um, dogs of different, different breeding, different ages, different sizes usually do. So I sort of ruled two dog out as that wasn't going to happen. And then last year I paired them together as a training run and they, ran really well and I sort of rethought about it and then took them into competition after you know quite some training and they had a really good season and they really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed for them seeing that progression and seeing them being willing as you know participants of the sport willing to try something new and work hard at the job I was asking them to do so I was really proud of them for that. In terms of my own achievement, this one is very personal to me and probably seems like a small achievement to other people, but I have competed in Canny Cross since I travelled to the Nationals in South Australia in 2018, which was, I only started the sport in 2017, so I was very early on in my sledding career, if you will. So I've competed at nearly every single Canny Cross race from 2018 to now. And I have never been able to run the entire track without stopping to walk at some point. Because um, I never put an awful lot of, I put a lot of training into the dog's fitness, but I didn't put that much training into my own running fitness until probably last year. And last year I managed to run one of our tracks the whole way through without stopping. And that just felt like such a huge achievement to me that I'd, proven to myself that I could do that even after not necessarily progressing for a number of years you know I always kept that in the back pocket of my mind um and then after some training I managed to do that and that felt really good yeah I take my hat off to you for doing Kenny Cross and I have a trophy here still which I forgot to give you the last time you were here because at our running west race you did <laughs> equal first in is it was it Kenny Cross or was the relay? It was. Your competition takes his running seriously. 
let's face it, shout out to Jono. <laughs> um, but yeah, super proud. I was super proud of you. And also speaking of the relay, you competed in the relay. So this is something that Running West has started a couple of years ago, having a relay where the first leg is the canny cross leg, followed by the scooter leg and then the bike jaw leg. And you did it all three legs with different dogs, but that's super impressive. The the relay is a really, really awesome event. I was I remember being very, very stoked when Running West first started it and I love I look forward to it every time it's available since then. It's a really awesome we've talked a couple of times about how we push ourselves and the dogs in these or we don't push the dogs but they they push themselves because they enjoy running and we push ourselves to be you know fitter and fitter to help them as much as possible but I've I don't think I've ever pushed myself as much as I did in the relay to do what's your track is normally about three kilometers yes to do a, a canny cross run and then a scooter run and then a bike run with fresh dogs each time that was that was pretty close to my limit I have worked definitely since the middle of last year to improve my fitness so that I'm better with the dogs and I, I'm i going to share this with everyone. It was going to be a secret, but I did say to the trainer, at some point I would like to do canny cross with my dog to say how far I've come in terms of injury recovery <laughs> because uh, for those who don't know me, I'm very um, injury prone, doing the stupidest of things. So just see how far I've come like in that recovery process and, you know, how much work I've put in. Uh, I'm not going to say that's going to happen this year, but at some point that is a something I'd like to aim for. That's an awesome goal. That's very exciting. Um, yeah. Now I've said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're committed to it. You're held yes, accountable yes. by the people of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So you've got some great accomplishments there. I think for me, my biggest accomplishment, after so many years of coming last with my team of Huskies, my mom, dad and daughter team, you know, last year I got my first, first place with my English pointer colt in bike jaw. I would never have imagined that. I knew this dog had it in him, of course. I didn't know that I had it in me. And the reason I started that, I guess, my fitness journey was because of this dog. So and I was only a week in, I think, to my my training. <laughs> so I, to come away with a first was like, that was super exciting. So you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get, you know, those prizes or that accomplishment, but definitely well worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the work, the work makes it so much more worthwhile when you get there. Oh, 100%. So... What lessons have you learned in your dog sledding journey about yourself wow. or your dogs? Yeah, I feel like I could write a book about the lessons I've learned. Mm. Sort of skills that I've learned. So through the last couple of years, I've been on I've been on the WAFA committee for a while, um, and I help out as everybody does. We help out a lot at, at all of our beginner events at the beginning of the year, and I've learned a lot about talking to different people at different stages of life and seeing how rather than everybody doing the sport how I do the sport how can they safely fit the sport into their lifestyle Mm. Um, and that's been a big personal learned skill for me like how because this sport is brilliant and it is really suitable for a lot of people 
but how does it suit people that you know work night shifts or people that have certain physical abilities that they're working with it um it really is a very versatile sport yeah I guess my lesson overall is that just to trust the dogs for how many times I'm gonna say that I've gotten lost it's not happened doesn't happen all the time let me tell you but just even on the weekend to just trust the dogs and I could tell one of them knew <laughs> knew what they were doing but yeah just trusting them to know how to get us home and working with them they have my best interest at heart too I think <laughs> so yeah absolutely um, 100% just trust in your dogs um, yeah trust trust in the dogs it's a very unique thing and it's something we really only talk about in bledding it's quite specific to our sport um but even with your um non-traditional breeds so your huskies especially um tend i see a lot more people talk about it in huskies um but with your other breeds you know once they know the sport and they you're in your normal rhythm of training and everything like that they have an amazing ability so we do a lot of I, I know I do with my guys and a lot of people do but if we're running on a track and our dogs pull to either side we follow directly behind the dog because they are amazing at knowing which parts of the ground are best to run on um you know which sand is going to be more comfortable for them and better to pull on and all that kind of stuff and when we're overtaking another team if the team is running in the center of the track if you have a dog that you can trust to choose which, you know, whether you're going to overtake on the left or right, that's really amazing to run with a run in a team where both members are so switched on and focused on the job. Yeah, it's a really amazing feeling. Yes. And um, I just want to talk about the two young dogs that I ran on the weekend <laughs> passing. Oh my gosh. It was like these dogs had been doing it for years. They were—I was so so proud of them. They're only—they're only just beginning to be able to start training because they—they both now won. So we're now looking at training them. But for a second run in their whole life, they passed so cleanly. They were so professional. I just. I was so proud of such young That's dogs awesome. being able to do that. And yeah, I think I don't know if I could take the grin off my face. Like they were just so, so good. And so trusting such young dogs to, like you said, pick the track we were running on and to pass so beautifully, that that was amazing. That's lovely. It's, this is not really about accomplishments, but what are some of your highlights from your sledding journey? There's There's a lot. There's a lot of highlights. So when I first got into this sport with my older dog, Merlin, um, we were in the sport for a few years before uh, we had a couple of incidences in other areas of our lives with other dogs. Um, and he, it was a big setback for him. He's quite an anxious dog um, and it made him doubt a lot of his environment and he felt quite nervous. And I worked a lot on building his confidence. So we did a lot of things that he decided where the line was. You know, if something made him nervous, then we stopped. And to for him to build confidence in himself and also confidence in me that I'm not going to make him do anything he doesn't feel safe doing. And the first time we were back on a scooter and he successfully passed another team, that was really, really big to me personally because I just felt that he was 
he was clearly at a place where he was like, you know, I know, I know this job and I feel confident in myself again. And that, that was huge. I've had a couple of falls that really stuck in my mind, but not in a bad way. They were kind of like, I've had a falls that happened and taught me lessons that were much greater than the pain of falling. Like I had, when I was very, very early on in my career, I had a scooter that I should have service more and really only the front brakes were working on it and I didn't see that as a problem because it was just just me running one dog that only weighs like would have been 18 kilos at the time uh, I was like what what could possibly go wrong um, and we were we were coming down a hill and he stopped at the last minute and I braked very sharply and I went over the handlebars I believe I don't remember it that well but I went over the handlebars and was absolutely fine didn't I think I ripped through the jumper I was wearing but I didn't have any injuries from it but I did absolutely service my scooter after that race and I'm very lucky that that was how I learned that lesson and not not with anything worse that's a big lesson take care of your equipment absolutely if you look after your equipment it will look after you that's right that's right do you have any other highlights any any less painful highlights (laughs) One very big highlight, which I would love to, I would love to recreate or experience something similar one day. When the Asha Nationals were in South Australia in 2018, uh, I was lucky enough to go with a friend who offered me and my dog their seats in her car because um, I wasn't in the position to go at the time. So I was very lucky that she was in the position to do that and she did offer. And there was such a huge amount of support from WA going over to that trip so um, for those that have never done the drive it's uh, it's a long drive it's generally most people do it in about four days and we had a huge team go over from WA like 20 20 teams possibly more than that and it was like being your home away from home we were in a different state and you still had Everybody that you're used to racing with there and there was such a lot of support and people cheering each other over the finish line and we had communal dinner and we all had a WA table and that was a really amazing experience. I would love, I'm hoping to go to the Nationals this year, but I don't think there'll be as many teams over there, but I I would love to feel that again someday, have a really big WA turnout at at another Nationals. So we are going to nationals this year and I really Ooh. hope that you come with us. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope I'm going. That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, my highlights just for something different was because once upon a time, you know, I ran four dog teams and, you know, ultimately that's where I'd like to go back to. But it was a race at Nangara and, I think the first night we had a bit of a a bit of a tangle, not long out of the start shoot. And so my first heat wasn't great. And, you know, I had my three huskies plus a husky that a friend had linked me, the amazing little possum from Katrina and Ryan. And the second heat was reverse order. So that's a that's something that I love. Because for those who are slower, they go out first, basically, in the second heat. And 
I had a great start. I got further around the track than I thought. Like I expected to be passed at a certain point, but I got further around before the the next team came around. And then the next team came around and that just spurred my dogs. But the last corner, it was the three, four dog teams took that corner together. And I... Totally insane that we all fit through the gate. <laughs> but like we were just chatting to each other and we're calling each other's dogs on. And for the first time, I got the run in my dogs that I knew was in them. And so I was so proud of them because I knew they had it in them. We just needed to be closer with other teams. And that was the race I had. I think the race marshal came and hugged me because I'd caught up so much. So that was definitely a highlight that three teams going around that corner, such an amazing experience. Love to replicate that again at some point. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so cool. And obviously that highlight, running the dog in the moonlight. It's a training run. It was just a beautiful night. And, but that's definitely a highlight for me. Now, is there something you would like to do in sledding that you have not done yet? Uh, there's a lot there's a lot I'd love to do I would really like to run a team at some point so you've talked about running teams and I said earlier that I ran a two dog team last year I would love to run a three or four dog team at some point it's a I've done it at training a few times but uh, you just have to have the right mix of dogs that run the same and uh, can compete to similar abilities. Uh, the team's tracks are longer than the what you would run a single dog track on. So if you have dogs that are older or aren't as physically able, that will affect being in a team. Uh, but I would love to race the team in competition one day. That would be a really big goal of mine. Uh, it is a lot of fun for sure. And I've really enjoyed it. It's just It's just a different level of... Um, respect yeah. I think for the dogs and for what they're doing yeah I think the team the teams is the bigger teams especially is really the point when you are really trusting your dogs because we trust the dogs at you know and you have to to run this sport but in I know when I'm running one dog I can easily I am stronger than the dog you know if it came to a point where I had to break and they want to keep running I can physically hold one dog, maybe two, depending on the dog. But as soon as you're running a three or four dog team, you really are trusting the the dogs and the experience that they have, that you're going to be safe with them out there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, holding the team, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you fancy going to the snow and racing? Oh, yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that's another big goal of mine. So I would love to... Uh, make it to the snow at some point I do have very tentative plans for the future but I I would love to race on the snow absolutely specifically uh, ski drawing is very interesting to me so um, for people listening at home that is when very similar to canyon cross you wear a belt around your waist but you are skiing as the dog pulls you on a snow trail that just seems amazing to me and I would really love to try it it's funny that you say that because, you know, last year I was injured and when I was allowed to return to training in the gym, all I could do was the ski machine. And I just kept thinking, <laughs> I could do ski drawing with a dog. I'm sure I can do it. <laughs> but how many kilometers I put on in that machine. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, I would love to go to the snow 
as well. And of course, I definitely would love to go to the Iditarod. Hey, we'd love to do it. Slightly jealous of you, Christian Turner, if you're listening out there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many times you've done it. And, you know, that's super exciting to have someone from Australia do it as well. So there's hope for us all. Yeah. I guess my final question is why would you recommend this sport to other people, to other dog owners? I would recommend this sport for how enriching it is for dogs and people. So um, I think because of the many avenues you can do in this sport and how you can safely do it, as long as dogs are physically able to run and healthy, there are many avenues you can do with dogs of different ages and different different abilities and as long as they're keen to run. It's so good to get out, you know, midweek or even just on your weekends and do something that brings you both fun. I find in a lot of dog training, unfortunately, because of the way most people live their lives, people are often at odds with their dogs. You know, they're always trying to train stuff that comes naturally to dogs like chewing or digging or pulling on leaders generally just because dogs naturally walk faster than us so we're always trying to train against their natural instincts to make it easier to live with them in a house and sledding is a brilliant way to let them do what comes naturally to them but do it together and have an activity that you can both put a lot of effort in and uh, reap a lot of happiness out of yeah yeah and you mentioned something about can't make the dogs run. Certainly not. I think my older girl, she would have loved to have kept running, but I could see that she didn't have it in her. And we just did like a little 50 meter jaunt and she thought she'd won her little race. Yeah. <laughs> like she loved it, but yeah. you can't make dogs run. No. And we we do always talk about this, but uh, sledding is brilliant, but sledding is a sport for dogs that have the physical ability. It is not a sport that we do with dogs that are not there yet. So if your dog is needing to lose weight or anything like that, that is something you would work on so that you can do sledding. Sledding is not in itself a way for dogs to lose weight. It's not appropriate for dogs that are, you know, carrying too much extra weight. It puts a lot more pressure onto their joints. And the reason I would recommend this sport, I think essentially this sport changed my life. I never had dogs growing up and I didn't realize what they brought to your life. And I got into this sport through a teacher friend of mine in the classroom next to me. She had Siberian Huskies and I had one and she said, oh, you should do this dog sledding. I let her run my dogs and for how happy my dog looked, her face, she was definitely smiling. And I was like, I guess I'm doing this. Like (laughs) I do this because the dog loved it and I've continued to do it because my dogs love it. I can't say I love camping in winter. I'm not sure I'll ever love camping in winter, but I do this because the dogs love it. They get so much from it and being able to work with the dog and us doing things together has given me a new like a wealth of appreciation, knowledge, courage, resilience that I don't think anything else could have. And through this sport, I've met some amazing dogs (laughs) and I've also met some amazing people. And some of those people have really become family. And I don't think that could have happened doing anything else either. You know, I've camped, I've road tripped, I've enjoyed lots of amazing views with the dogs. 
And I think if your dog is a dog that likes to pull, that has lots of energy, then this may well be the outlet that they need. So that's why I would recommend this sport. Yeah, no, definitely agree with all of that. Just to recap, because, you know, the reason I had you on today, I guess, is because of your, the Wasser beginner days. This is a great opportunity for people who live locally or are in Perth to come out and try dryland dog sledding, see what it's all about. Let your dogs have a go. So details again. So the, um, the Wasser tryout day is on the 16th of April. Sign-in is from 3pm at the Nangara Pine Plantation. There will be signs from the main road, which is Nangara Road, leading you into the pines. Completely free event. All you need is your dog on a lead and a flat collar. And we will, we have all the equipment. You get to have a go. We do a talk. Um, and then we can talk about how training works going forward. Excellent. Excellent. And yeah, ask as many questions of people as possible. There is no silly question been around a little while so there's a lots of people who want to talk to you about dog sledding I mean I think we've been talking for about an hour so um, just skim the surface I know just skim the surface but thank you so much for chatting with me I feel like I we should do a podcast when we're on location so people can hear how excited the dogs are like an on the road sledding podcast Yeah, yeah yeah We should, we should so do something out in the bush so you get a sense and a feeling of why the dogs love it, why we love it. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate talking to you all the time. Remind me that I have a trophy for you. It's been sitting in the drawer <laughs> in the hallway to give to you. <laughs> I might give it to you this Sunday, actually. Yeah, I will see you there. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Jamelia. And if you're... If you've got a dog, you know, you can check out Wasser at, what's the email address or Facebook page? Uh, so our Facebook page is facebook.com slash WA Sled Dog Sports Association. And if you message, so if you're unable to make this Sunday, if you message the page, we do a lot of ongoing training for beginning beginners going forward. So if you can't make this date, we can absolutely find something suitable that you can have a go at the sport excellent and i'll make sure I'll put links to all the club's pages and your event as well so we can have as many people come down as possible it is really a fun fun thing to give a go and see what it's all about all right thanks so much Amelia. i look forward to thank talking you to you again sometime <laughs> yeah thank you i will be back anytime you ask me all right excellent well thanks so much Thank you.